This is episode number 153 of the Ardella Training Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Ardella, author of the new book, The Edge of Strength, now available on Amazon, and you're listening to the Ardella Training Podcast, a no-nonsense weekly fitness and performance podcast dedicated to today's serious fitness enthusiast. Now, let's get to it and jump into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 153. Thanks for joining me this week. In this week's session, I have a great one for you, and we are going to wrap up this year, 2015, with a great new interview with Marisa Inda. I think you're really going to uh, enjoy this session. I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. I hope your holidays are going great so far, and this is the last interview, the last episode, I should say, of 2015. And 15. I do want to let you know that I am going to have a special episode of the Ardella Training Podcast coming on January the 1st. And this is going to be a, a great uh, show that I have for you. I'm going to share with you my secret weapon for getting yourself set up for a great new year. This is what I do every year for the past couple of years. And uh, resolutions really don't work, to tell you the truth, uh, for most people. And I'm going to explain about that. I'm going to explain what you can do instead of New Year's resolutions. So look for that new episode in just a couple of days. That episode will be released uh, Friday, January 1st, and hopefully that will set you up for a great new year. All right, so let me give you a quick update here before we get into this week's uh, interview with Marisa. And I wanted to give you a quick update on The Edge of Strength, my new book. First of all, I wanted to let you know that, the uh, again, the Kindle version is coming. We are working on that taking a little bit longer than expected with the holidays and things like that. Uh, I was hoping to have it done by this episode, but it's taking a little bit longer. It will be available very soon, so I'll keep you updated on that. The feedback and everything has been great with the book so far. Um, If you have checked out the new book, The Edge of Strength, thank you so much. I thought that I would uh, read something really quick that uh, Chad Racine shared on the Facebook fan page. He said that I've read five chapters already in the conditioning chapter as well. It's really great, Scott, and I've been a Kindle reader for a while, but I'm enjoying the bigger print book instead of reading on my phone for once. I'm really getting great value out of it and just scratching the surface. So, Chad, thank you so much. I know you've been around for a long time. You've been a listener to the show for a long time and a follower, and uh, I appreciate that, man. I I really do because it's an incredible amount of work to, to write a book, and this is a book that I'm really excited and happy and proud to get out there. So. Thank you so much. So we, uh, we again, are going to jump into this week's show. We're going to get right to it. Let me tell you about uh, Marisa, and, um, and then we're going to jump into the interview. One thing I do want to uh, tell you about this interview, actually, is I did have a bit of a situation with the audio, and it was uh, basically on my end where the recording wasn't set up the way it normally is, and the, the audio... Uh, is not as as good as it usually is here on the show. So I do apologize for that, but I was able to smooth it out as, as best I could. It's not the best audio like it typically is. Unfortunately, I did two interviews that day. So I have uh, two interview sessions where the audio is a little bit, uh, well, it's just not up to par like it usually is here on the show. So please excuse that, but realize it's about the content, and I think uh, this is a great uh, interview session with Marisa. So Marisa Inda is a successful personal trainer in the Los Angeles area. 
She is part of Team Juggernaut with Chad Wesley Smith. She is a recent American powerlifter record holder. You're going to hear about that. And she has a diverse athletic background as a former gymnast. She loves lifting heavy weights as with competitive powerlifting. She's a former competitive bodybuilder. And she's also the mother of two. She's got a really great story and some great insights into uh, strength training. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this interview for sure. And I'm really happy to have Marisa come on the show and share her wisdom and story with us. So with that, let's uh, jump into this week's interview with Marisa Inda. Enjoy. All right, guys. Today I've got strength athlete, mom, and former gymnast Marisa Inda joining me for a great chat about her approach to strength. Marisa, thanks for joining me, and we're going to get right into it. So you recently broke a new American record, so let's start there. Can you talk about that experience and what that meant to you? Um, yeah, my last meet was uh, a Raw Nationals this uh, past October. That was in um, Pennsylvania, and um, I went in just basically wanting to win the meet because you have to win your weight class in order to get an invite to worlds. So, um, last year I lost by, I think two kilos, which is kind of devastating to wow. lose by that little bit of an amount. So, um, the game plan going into this meet was just to win. So not necessarily trying to break records, but just getting enough to, you know, it, to make sure that I took first place in my weight class. So, um, squats didn't go as well as I wanted. Um, it's all squats is always one of those lifts for me that I'm never a hundred percent confident in, um, at my very first, uh, raw nationals, that's actually the, I bombed out. I red lighted all three of my lifts. Oh, wow. So yeah, on my <laughs> opening lift, I got red lighted for depth. Um, yeah. I felt like my depth was there, but you know, sure. I guess at the end of the day, you'd rather have judges be more strict than more lax. Right. So, um, repeated my attempt on my second, uh, I got, I, I I made my uh, second attempt and then I finished with a 296 pound squat on my third attempt. Um, so not where I wanted to end. I wanted to be in the threes, but you know, I, at that point I was just glad to still be in the meet. Sure. Um, right. and moved on to bench. Uh, again, I kind of lowered my openers, not sure, uh, how long they were going to have me hold the pauses at bench. Also this last training cycle didn't go as well as I had hoped it would go. Um, I was dealing with, uh, lots of knots and stuff in my right trap, which okay. was preventing me from really getting tight in my setup. And as you know, with lifting it's technique. And for me, if my bench isn't super tight, it, it gets my bar path gets off. So it makes sure. me, it, makes me miss groove a little bit. So opened a little bit lighter. Um, I, I currently have the American record in the bench. Um, so kind of just went in knowing that I probably wasn't going to break it at this meet, but just get close enough. Sadly enough, um, my bench felt really good. So I was kind of sad that I lowered my opening attempts and I believe I ended with a 187 pound bench and, uh, then moved on to the deadlift. Um, I was actually the current American record holder on the deadlift. So, uh, went in hoping to maybe break that. We, so we chipped it at the end, uh, for 370 pounds. Cause I had the 369 pound record that I had made in October nice. the previous year. So yeah, I chipped <laughs> it. It was a huge grinder. I honestly didn't think I was going to get it off the floor because it literally felt like it took 30 seconds to break the floor, but wow. ended up <laughs> able to lock it out. Um, right. I was really happy about it mainly because I had suffered a back spasm in June and I went to a meet in Atlanta and I couldn't even finish the meet. I had to pull out after um, bench because my back was so tight. So it was kind of like a mental victory more than anything, just knowing that you can still get in front of that bar and still pull big weight and not, you know, first of all, not herniate anything. Sure. Number one. Sure. And number two, just mentally just knowing that 
you can recover from that and, and, and still have a good meet. So I set the American record there. Um, actually, it actually got broken, though, two weeks ago by a, a girl who did a meet, and she pulled 371. So I actually lost that American wow. record just two weeks ago. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had it, but. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. but I, I have, so I still hold the American record for bench and the American record total. Right. Now, so out of the three lifts, what, what's the strongest and what's the one that you'd like to develop the most? Um, my strongest lift is actually bench. Um, it's the lift that I feel like okay. you, I kind of know if I'm going to make it or not. I'm never scared. I train alone and I'll bench my, my maxes by myself. I just know like if it's going to happen or if it's not, I know how to dump the bar. I'm very confident when I bench. Um, the lift I feel like I want to improve on the most is just squat just because it's like my nemesis. It's either on or it's off. And it's just, you know, for me, lifting is a mental thing as much as it is a physical thing. And I, I want to mentally dominate that lift. I want to go to the bar each and every time and have confidence and know that I will make depth. I I'll be able to push through that sticking point and stand up with it. I mean, so for me, my best lift is, is bench, but my favorite lift is actually the squat Okay. because I'm not good at it. So I definitely had some questions about the mental side of training and confidence. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Let's actually, let's take a step back and talk about how you got into training. How did the, uh, the whole journey start for you? And then what led you to get into powerlifting? Yeah, so I was a gymnast. I uh, started gymnastics at a very young age. Um, and I was good, but my parents really just didn't have the money to keep me in. It's a very expensive sport. So I would, I would train for a while and have to get pulled out because my parents couldn't afford it. So I'd kind of, you know, be back and forth. And um, I kind of reached an age... I believe I was at the time like 15 and a half, 16 years old, and I fell really hard. I hit the back of my neck, uh, dismounting off of the vault, and actually right. was it was pretty it was a pretty bad fall. I mean, really lucky I didn't hurt myself. Right. And from there, I mentally kind of got scared, and I kind of knew at that point like Olympics is out of the question. I probably won't ever make like a college team just because I wasn't at a school where we were we had a good enough team to even get scouted by colleges. So, um, I just stopped doing it kind of just didn't have the drive or the passion to do it anymore. So I needed something to do, uh, joined track, hated it. Um, <laughs> joined actually a funny, a uh, funny story. I joined a jazz, a jazz dance troupe, okay. which you know, <laughs> I also hated just because it's hard to go from like being super competitive right. to doing things that you just don't feel are very competitive in nature. And I actually just wandered into a gym at 17 years old and saw a girl. I loved her physique. I, I became super creeper, followed her around and <laughs> kind of mimicked what she did and did my first bodybuilding show actually at 17 years old, about eight oh, months wow. after I stepped into the gym. That's interesting. I actually, I also competed in bodybuilding. Um, I started at a really young age. I, I started competing when I was 19. Um, let, let me ask you about that. Cause that, that actually was one thing I wanted to ask you about as well. Your bodybuilding experience. Um, well, let me ask you, are, are you still, do you still do any type of bodybuilding type of training? Because that's very different from powerlifting. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I feel like bodybuilding gave me a very good foundation and I believe that's why I'm more injury free than some other powerlifters out there. Okay. I didn't just start out going the big three all out, super heavy one rep maxes all the time. It was a lot of, you know, bodybuilding movements. Sure. It's a lot of accessory exercises, building yep. muscle and muscle moves weight. Did you ever focus on technique as a bodybuilder? And I know I didn't. And when I started training in a gym, there weren't any uh, coaches, strength coaches and things like that. And so the way that I trained many years ago was totally different than the way that I train today. And I do the powerlifting techniques 
I, I love Olympic weightlifting and, and kettlebells. Those are kind of the, the three areas that I focus in on. But I'm curious, did you ever focus in on technique in your early Yeah, you know, I think I was pretty fortunate because okay. I came from a gymnastic background that's very yeah, much sure. a sport where you have to have body awareness. You have to know where your positioning is at is in the air when you're twisting. You have to know yeah. how many steps you need to take before you jump and hit that vault. So um, early on, I knew if something didn't feel right. I knew if something didn't look look right. So I felt like I kind of had a, an advantage in that in that aspect. And I also trained with guys. So another little bit of advantage who just kept putting, you know, who weren't the guys are like, you're just going to do five pounds. We're going to squat. We're going to bench. We're going to deadlift, but then we're going to do all the accessory stuff after that. So I, I, I feel like I kind of had a really good start because a, I surrounded myself with really good people and B coming from that gymnastics background. I was always very aware of where my body was, what I, what I was doing and what muscle was supposed to be worked and how it should be contracting. Well, that's a key benefit of having the background that you had versus myself. And so I didn't have those things, but I think you're right. I think having that gymnastics background, you really did have that body awareness and the, the technical aspects of performance and things. Yeah. Like that. I think so. that's why other countries tend to be better in lifting sports because typically in foreign countries, the first sport that kids are introduced to is tumbling or some sort of calisthenics type of training. It's body weight, it's body awareness. Whereas in the U.S., it's usually Little League or soccer, where they're really not learning to, you know, find, they're not learning to figure out where their body is and doing body weight exercises is just not a thing here. Right. How do you apply or integrate the, uh, the, the gymnastics background into the things you do today? I mean, do you still use the, those things? Yeah, I've competed in a lot of a calisthenics meets. Okay. And so, you know, it's a lot of that is bar work, parallel bars, straight bar. So, or it's floor work, which is, you know, the handstands, the push-ups. So I still do all of that. Um, I just make sure that if I'm in a, if I'm in a strength training block or a peaking block for a meet, obviously my first priority is the power lifting. Right. And then my accessory stuff and then maybe the calisthenics stuff. Obviously, as I get closer to a meet, I get more specific in what I'm doing. And then it's just the powerlifting movements. Um, but then when I'm in an off-season block, it'll be, you know, less powerlifting geared, more accessory stuff, more hypertrophy, and then I more calisthenics stuff. Got it. So I always like to ask uh guess what they're currently doing in their training right now. So what, what are you doing right now in your training? Are you doing a strength block or a hypertrophy phase? I'm, where I'm, I just came off of a hypertrophy block and okay. I'm uh, currently 12 weeks out, 12 weeks out from my next meet, which is the Arnold. It's I'm doing the American pro raw at the Arnold. Nice. Oh, that's fantastic. Now you, so who, who is your coach? Tell listeners who you're, who you work with. Yeah, I work <laughs> with uh, Chad Wesley Smith. Yep. I've been working with him for over a year now. Um, I started working with him after I did Worlds. Um, so I came off of Worlds in South Africa, and I, I medaled and I came off the podium. But I just, at that point, I, I felt like I took myself as far as I could take myself without having someone else's eye on me and seeing where my weak points are. Um, I think sometimes the downside of training for so long by yourself is you get in your head and you're like, oh, nobody can tell me how to do anything. Well, it's not true. You know, sometimes there are people out there that can say, hey, I think this would benefit your training a little bit more. So um, I started working with him and I did nationals five weeks after I, I did worlds. And just within five weeks of working with him, I put 50 pounds on my total. Wow. Yeah. So what, what kind of impact did Chad have? I mean, was it, was it programming? Was it technique? What was the major influence or the coaching insight that you got from working with him? 
both programming and tech, uh, programming and technique. Okay. So do you work yeah. with him live or? Yeah, I, I go up to his gym maybe like once a week because he's about 45 minutes for me, but it's most yeah. everything is, um, you know, through video and okay. he comes to me with, to every meet. So yeah. So kind of both, but I mean, 99% of the time I'm training by myself. What would you say if you had to say like the, the big lessons that you've learned from Chad, what are the big lessons? Not maxing out all the time. <laughs> uh, you see a lot of yeah. lifters and they're constantly yeah. hitting one rep maxes. And with Chad, it was more sub-maximal work and, you know, leaving your PRs for the platform, not necessarily for the Instagram and the, you know, training, you know, doesn't mean anything in training only means something on the platform. So yep. that was like the big thing. And not that I did that before him. I, I followed more of like a linear periodization, mm-hmm. but I, I wasn't doing as much rep work leading up to me as I, as I, as I do with him. So that was kind of the main difference, just more work, more so, time under the bar, more work. Okay. So more higher volume training, more, more hypertrophy training, would you say, or just well, higher, higher yeah. volume? Well, in in the hypertrophy blocks, yeah, definitely a lot more volume, but just more work within the bench. So like when I was doing my own programming, I would just bench competition bench, which is fine. But with him, I do the competition bench and then variation benches after that. So like in, in, when I did bench today, it was my competition bench with competition pauses, overload benching, close grip benching. So it's, it's a lot more work. Yes. Yes. All right, let's talk about benching uh, as a bodybuilder versus benching compared to what you do today. How much has that changed from a technical <laughs> standpoint? <laughs> um, actually, probably the only thing that has changed for me is the arch, having more of an arch. But okay. I, um, I'm i not a super elbow tucker. That's just not me. I benched bodybuilder style for a very long time, mm-hmm. which is, you know, more of an elbow flare. Um, but on the, I don't believe necessarily that works for everybody tucking your elbows. It's fine if that's how you start out, but I developed a pretty sizable chest, pretty muscular chest benching bodybuilder style. So I still adhere to that. That's what works for me. Um, but yeah, probably the only thing that has changed my bench is just getting a bigger arch. Interesting. I mean, for me, it's, it's really radically changed. Uh, again, just as I mentioned, not having a coach or anything in the early days and not really being a, a technical lifter at all. So it's, it's been a complete overhaul in how I used to bench and how I bench today. But, uh, that, that's interesting. So looking back of, you know, looking back at all of your experiences as a gymnast, power lifter, <laughs> bodybuilder would have been maybe the big highlights. What, what's been the single biggest highlight actually so far? Oh God, my lifting career. <laughs> yeah. yeah of, everything, um, of everything you've done. I mean, what's, what's the, the biggest athletic accomplishment for you? Um, I would have to say just this winning uh, raw nationals this past October, just because I felt like I it was in my grasp the year before. So, you know, I would have to say winning, uh, winning raw nationals would have to be one of my biggest accomplishments. Was there any, uh, key lesson that you learned from the, uh, from the recent experience? Like anything that you would do differently having gone through that now? For me, it's just having confidence in the squat. Like, and then that's just something that I have to work, work on just because again, that's my nemesis, but just going in and and not lowering your openers, just going, if you've done the training, you know, you've put in the work, just go in with hundred percent mental confidence and, and do what you have to do. So how do you, how do you do that? So, you know, we've talked about confidence a couple of times now and that, that talking about the, the mental side of not only training, but competition, 
So I'm curious, what do you do to, to maximize confidence for, for meet day and also to, to build confidence in, in training sessions? Um, I think that's kind of why I like working with Chad because in training, because you're going submaximally, you're not trying to figure out what your one rep max is every three weeks. You're not maxing out. We don't right. fail lifts in the gym. Right. So when you don't fail lifts in the gym, that should build confidence. So when you go to the platform, you haven't failed you know, you, you've made every single lift. So when I go to the platform, my lift, the lifting should not be a problem. You're honing in really good technique. You're, you're mentally knowing that, Hey, you know, I completed that lift. I felt really strong and I possibly had two or three more in the tank. So meat's not going to be a problem. Of course, meat day, there's always those jitters and everything, but that's when you just have to know that, you know, you trust the process, you get your opener out of the way and then you're home (laughs) free from there. Right. Is there anything that you do uh, specifically to ease the nerves or anxiety? Is it? I actually just stop thinking. I just go meathead mode. Okay. I'm not like a very. I don't need something to pump me up or, you know, hit my bang my head against the wall. I kind of just (laughs) put my headphones on, close my eyes, imagine a successful lift, and then try to just pretty much turn it off after that. You know, I've heard Chad talk about this. He actually did a, a juggernaut seminar down here. I live in South Florida. And uh, it was about a year ago that he was down here and he talked about that, you know, again, just not, you know, banging your head up against a wall for, for meets and things like that and just kind of staying calm. But he, he also talked about like, you know, the more you go in and compete, the easier it is to, to build the confidence and to, to ease the nerves with competing. Yeah, I definitely think there's something to be said for platform experience, but then also yes. just trying to make sure that you're not competing every eight weeks and, you know, burning yourself out. You have to you know, still have time in there to, to have an off season and to build up weaknesses. So have you had any major uh, challenges in your entire training uh, journey so far, like any major injuries or any big hurdles that that you've overcome? Luckily I haven't had huge injuries. Um, Before raw nationals, before this last raw raw nationals, I actually had uh, popped my back pulling had a meet two weeks later, uh, was still able to compete. And I actually, funny enough, like I didn't win that meet, but I still qualified for, I still was able to go to Worlds and competed in South Africa. But, um, so that was really tough coming off of that and then still having to go and, and deadlift knowing like, oh my God, my back just popped two weeks before. I didn't herniate anything. It was just uh, my thoracolumbar tendon um, popped and it pulled, which then caused my whole left leg to go numb afterward. So I couldn't feel my hamstring for about six months. It was just pinch. It was just pulling on the nerve, pushing on the nerve. And, um, so that was probably the most significant injury I've, I've, I've had to deal with, but luckily, like, because I am older and I, you know, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not one of those people that push through things. Most of the time, um, I pushed through that time because I had a meet and it was a qualifier. But after I came back from that, I just stopped deadlifting. I just did all the stuff that I needed to do to rehab. And, um, you know, just so you can come back stronger and not hurt yourself further. What would you say, what's your best advice for injury prevention? I mean, do you have a, do you have a key tip or a key insight around, uh, preventing injury with, with heavy training? For me, and like I tell most people, you always just have to make sure your technique is on point. So we know when you're in those hypertrophy blocks, it's your warm up sets need to look as close as possible to how your one rep max should look. I mean, obviously if you're, you're deadlifting really heavy, obviously form is going to go, but it shouldn't go to the point where you're going to hurt yourself. So, you know, and if you're feeling like something is off, stop, reassess and fix it. That's why I video myself a lot. Yeah. You can see if you're doing like weird hip shifting, if something is off and that's going to lead to problems later on. 
videotaping yourself is is so key and even even myself you know when you know you feel like you're training really good your technique is really good but you videotape yourself sometimes and you're like wow i did not realize i was doing that so it's really a, a thing that i think we should all do and it's so easy to do now with iphone technology or yeah i mean people technology. laugh but at the same time yeah. like you know sometimes you don't, you've you, it's really nice to see if you're doing something weird and then from there you can fix it. I mean, I know before I had hurt myself the very first time when I was looking back at videos, I was shifting a lot onto my left side. So it's just a matter of time before something goes. You're, you're expecting your whole left side to take the brunt of 300 and some pounds. It's only going to last for so long before it gives. Right, right. You know, and instead of training through that and reinforcing bad technique, because just like you can reinforce good technique, your body will get used to bad technique as well. Fix it. Drop the weight. Go lighter. That way you're reinforcing good technique and not bad technique. So we're talking about technique. So let's talk about uh, specific exercises. Let's talk about one of my favorites, the deadlift. What do you think are maybe the top two or three faults or mistakes with the deadlift for most people? Um, for most people, I would think it's not pulling their shoulders back, not, not engaging the lats and that this, so they start over the bar and then that, that will create that rounding that happens. So they're already over the bar at the very start instead of getting really tight and engaging, engaging their lats right? and starting too low. So, you know, or they'll try to get down really, really low and then they're pulling, they start to round and then their hips rise and then it becomes this very awkward looking movement. How about the squat? What do you think there? I tend to see a lot of people that kind of fold over into the hole, especially with low bar. So they it tends to look like a good morning as they're coming out of the hole. And a lot of that has to do with the setup, not getting really, really tight in the very initial setup. So their elbows will tend to go up instead of being pulled down and keeping really good upper back tightness. So you mentioned the low bar. I'm just thinking here. So low bar versus high bar. I was debating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on this uh, kind of debate and discussion in squat? technique um well the thing is if if your powerlifting is all about hitting uh that one rep max so if your leverages are better low bar go low bar if your leverages are better high bar and you're stronger that way go high bar but for most people generally speaking in powerlifting low bar is going to give them a better squat yes number wise that doesn't mean you shouldn't high bar squat ever again high bar squat has its benefits i mean you'll get stronger. High bar builds bigger quads. Bigger quads is going to build a bigger squat. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, you know, high bar versus low bar, I mean, for, for powerlifting technique, uh, you know, low bar is going to be the preferred style. Uh, when you're talking about high bar, you know, it's more associated with Olympic weightlifting and mm -hmm. mimicking the Olympic weightlifts. Um, so, I mean, that's really, that's the, the most simple answer that, that I can think of. As far as Olympic weightlifting, I'm curious, do you, engage in Olympic weightlifting at all or no I'm based out of a commercial gym so we don't have bumper plates or any type of uh platform that we I could do that I mean I would like to learn but I'm not in a gym where I'm able to do that at the moment got it got it now you said that you trained uh by yourself so you train alone in the commercial gym yes okay and a lot of people, like, I've gotten criticism, like, you don't have a spotter when you bench, or you don't, it's like, no, I'm not usually maxing out, number one, and number two, like, you know, you, you always have to remain calm. Yes, could something happen? Of course, something could happen at any point to any of us, but, you know, I tend to, I've failed a bench before by myself, and you just stay calm, and, you know, you, I don't put the locks on the bench, and I just, you know, flip it to the side, and the plates fall off, and you're fine. So, you know, if you train by yourself, number one, 
you always just have to remain calm and stay in control. You mentioned before we started our recording here, so you have two kids, right? Yes, yes. So so how important is it to you to be a role model for your kids in, in your training and, and your lifestyle and things like that? Uh, I think it's really important. You know, I don't force my kids to do anything. I don't, you know... A lot of times everyone's like, oh, you should get them into this. You can say, no, you know, I'm going to let them find their own way in life. They might sure. not want to lift weights and that's going to be just fine, you know, but they have grown up in the gym. They have a love hate relationship with it because I'm sure sometimes <laughs> they're just like, I don't want to be here. But, right. um, you know, they've seen that I have lifted pretty much since the day that they were born, um, you know, and my eating goes along with that. You know, I, we don't necessarily eat good all the time, but you know, they, they see good eating habits, good exercise habits, and that's how you stay healthy. So, you know, um, I think as a parent, like you have to walk the walk and that's the only way that your kids are going to do the same things and, and fall in line. My daughter currently does CrossFit and my son, um, does boxing. So, okay. You know, yeah, you know, I agree with that. I mean, I think that it's important for the kids to see that and, you know, you don't want to necessarily push things onto them. Um, but in, in my viewpoint, I have two little girls and I think it's more important for them to see me and remember me, you know, as they're growing up, you know, a, an active dad that's training and not a guy that's like flopping around on the couch all day. You know what I mean? So exactly. it's just, yeah. it's just the whole lifestyle thing. It's not just the training, but it's the whole, goes back to the whole lifestyle. Yeah. It's everything that just goes along with it. Just see more than anything. I just try to just tell them you just have to be healthy and you have to do something that you're passionate about and that you like, you know, and it doesn't. And then they, I think the best part is they see that it doesn't take 10 hours a day. Like when people always, people have said, I don't have time. My daughter will be like, it doesn't take that long, mom. You're not even there that long. I'm like, exactly. Right. Like, you know, it doesn't have to consume your life. How long is your typical uh, training session? 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what do, what do you do for conditioning? I mean, I'm, obviously that depends on the, the training goal and things like that, but. Yeah. You, you know, um, I do cardio. I, I have a bike at home, um, mm -hmm. because I do have kids. It's not like I can be at the gym, you know all day there. So, um, I get up at four, four thirty in the morning and I ride the bike. I do it on an interval. So okay. I do that three times a week for 30 minutes. Okay. And when do you do your strength work? Um, in between clients. So it varies. Oh, right. Um, it, it can be 10 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I've done it at three in the afternoon. So right. it varies depending on my schedule for that day. But, um, typically it's, that's only four times a week, sometimes five no, strength training. I'm just curious. So I just had a recent interview and I asked the same question I'm going to ask you, but is there a time of day that you feel if it was up to you, ideally a, a perfect time of day to train for strength when you would feel like you would be at your best? Um, you know, I try not to get into the, Oh, I feel better. This is not my time or this is this time. Yeah, um, yeah. because when you go to a meet, you don't have that luxury of saying, I want to compete at nine o'clock in the morning. Right. Most often, more, more often than not, it's in a different time zone. So I try to just, you know, not think about it. Got it. I just try I not to it. overthink most sure. anything. Like I said, that's where like the, my bodybuilding meathead background comes in. You know, so you just sometimes just got to do what you got to do. All right. Let me ask you, when you hear the word, uh, toning, what, uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on that <laughs> word as it pertains to, to females and exercise? Good word, bad word, inappropriate. I, I hate that word, but I also hate the whole thing right now where, you know, you'll see like, oh, you know, you can lift weights and you won't be bulky. And they show this supermodel that's lifting and she yeah. looks very thin. It's like, no, if you do lift, you're going to get muscle. Right. Do it long enough. Do it consistently. Do it heavy enough. You're going to get muscle. Now, will you be a man? No. 
but you're going to have some muscle and you're going to look like you lift. Absolutely. So, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't like that word, you know, but I also don't like the, the memes that go around that show that you won't be bulky because you know what, to some, you might be, you know, not everybody is going to like it. Not everybody thinks muscle on a woman is attractive. Yeah. And that's fine. You have to just do what you want to do. That's why I tell everybody, you know, focus on strength and the body will come. Going back to the bulking thing is, and we've talked about this many times on, on my show, is that it's it's really hard to put on bulk. You know, you have to train very specifically. You have to eat a lot of food. You know, putting on mass or, or bulk or whatever you want to call it is is really, really hard to do. It's not like lifting weights for most people and you're going to just you know, look like a bodybuilder. It's, it's very, very difficult to do that. So. Yeah. And it takes longer than people think it's, it's consistency. It's, you know, and again, how big you look is going to really be dependent on your body fat levels and how, how on track you are with your nutrition. Obviously the lower body fat levels you have, the more leaner you're going to look, the more muscular in turn you will look versus if you're carrying a little bit higher body fat levels. So all that stuff comes into play with how big or how muscular you're going to look. Besides bulking, what else do you think are maybe some of the most um, damaging myths as it pertains to to women and training? Just that you're going to look turn manly. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and in all fairness, you know, to some people, I might be too muscular. You know, there are, you know, I've, I've coming from a gymnastics background, I've always kind of had like a more muscular upper body because gymnastics is all you know, pulling yourself on bars and it's upper body work. So, you know, there are, you know, you can put on muscle and you're going to get bigger shoulders. You might have bigger biceps than, you know, the other girl who's been lifting for 10 years. So, you know, depending on how your body structure is, you might look more muscular than the girl who's been lifting the same amount of time. It just, it's very dependent. And at the end of the day, you have to do what you like because you love it and not because other people are going to accept you or condemn you for it. So the question is, in the last uh, three to six months, uh, is there anything that you're working on in your training right now as far as a a technique standpoint or something uh, specifically performance-wise that you're trying to to get better at? Um, Yeah, just uh, for squat specifically, it's just having consistent foot placement. So um, usually when I squat, especially at meets, um, I tend to go more narrow than I would typically go in training. And a lot of that has to do with, um, I squat in the same squat rack all of the time and it has these like landmarks for my feet. So, um, you know, Chad's just like, look, if you can go to other gyms and use their squat racks, it probably benefit you so that you actually have to feel where your feet are versus looking at the line in the floor. Got it. Perfect placement. So just, you know, consistency with the little things that can actually make a huge difference. Right. Now you mentioned that you were, you're 12 weeks out from, uh, the Arnold right now. So, Mm -hmm. so you're doing a specific program right now. Yeah. He, I'm just doing whatever Chad says. It's the uh, (laughs) peaking, peaking block for the meat. Gotcha. And that'll take you right up until, until the competition. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's do this, uh, this rapid fire segment here. So three quick questions. So first question is what's the, the book that you would recommend the book that you do recommend the most to people? Um, the inner game of tennis. So yes, it talks about tennis, but it's actually just more talking about the mental aspect of any sport, which I think is really good. That's awesome. You know, I've seen that book. I haven't read it. And uh, I got that impression that it was more of a mindset book and not just about tennis. Yeah, it's, so, uh, it's really good. Like it, it's, it does, it does, obviously it's, it's comes from a tennis background, but I think it's applicable to other sports. 
you know, again, going back to the mindset stuff, I mean, it's just, it's just so important and having the the mental edge in, in training and whether you're competing or just even, uh, you know, just day-to-day training. I mean, the mental side of training is, is so important and there's so many different aspects with motivation and the confidence and all that stuff. So, um, I think that's an area that we can all continue to expand and develop on exactly. the, the mental side, the mental side. Uh, well, question number two would be, what's the biggest advice that uh, you could offer to the female audience that's listening right now? As far as powerlifting or competing? Training in general. Training in general. Training in general, I would say just don't neglect the accessory stuff. So if you're starting in powerlifting and yes, squatting, benching and deadlifting is obviously the most important thing because that's where your uh, priority is. But don't neglect the little things because the little things... Uh, you know, if you do neglect it, it could lead to injury. Got it. Is there a, is there one thing that you wish you knew when you started out? Is there one key insight that you wish you knew years ago? If there's one thing I knew starting out powerlifting, I wish I had known that the bench needed to be paused. Because <laughs> when I did my first meet, I just jumped in it. I didn't actually, you know, didn't and didn't do any type of research. I just, you know, jumped in the meat. So, um, yes, that needed that you need to pause your benches and just specifically just starting out lifting. Um, one thing that I wish I had known is, um, Hmm, that's tough. Uh, I was just lucky that I was surrounded with good people. So surround yourself with good people that have your best intentions in mind. Absolutely. That is, uh, that is so key. What's a, what's one thing that most people don't know about you or might be surprised to know about you? That I burn bacon. I don't know if that's surprising, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like the worst bacon cook ever. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, last question here for the rapid fire. When you think of the word strong, who comes to mind? Well, first and foremost, I think about my, my, my mom, um, my, you know, just the fact that she raised us and, you know, worked two jobs and, you know, she was probably the first person that I saw that had like the biggest calves and the biggest legs ever because she delivered mail. And back when she delivered mail, they started out with a, um, 130 pound bag and, you know, 130 pounds. And it, and obviously by the end of the day, it's zero pounds, but you know, I mean, my mom is like crazy strong. Wow. That Did she train or she's just naturally strong? No, she never trains. She's just naturally strong. I mean, she's still strong. I mean, my mom is tiny, but I mean, yeah, she's, you know, lifting mail, worked on a ranch. So, you know, throwing bales of hay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's that farm strength. Yes. So you maybe have the uh, genetic uh, side. Oh, yeah, for sure. My dad's also Basque, which, you know, um, Rogue just put out a really cool video. It's all about the Basque strongman. And I remember being little and going to watch a you know, my dad compete in that type of stuff as a little kid. One other question is, uh, how, how do you define your, or how would you describe, I'm sorry, how would you describe your approach to nutrition? Well, you know, when I, right now it's more of a, uh, I just look in the mirror and I, and I portion control. Um, when I first started out though, um, cause a lot of people were like, Oh, well that, you know, I want to do it that way. Well, when I first started out, I, I competed in bodybuilding. So I weighed and I measured everything. So I, I, you know, I kind of got like a really good grasp on, you know, what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And, you know, just utilizing the mirror without getting super crazy with, you know, weighing stuff. Um, I don't do that now. I kind of tend to just, you know, get on the scale and monitor my weight because I just need to make sure that I'm at 114 pounds. So I try not to get too far over that. Sure. Um, of course, when I competed in a physique competition, you know, a couple years ago, 
I had to go back and weigh everything because that's just a different animal and you have to look a certain way. So, um, yeah. So my approach right now is just, you know, keeping it simple and portion control. Yeah. And it really all depends on the goal, right? I mean, yeah, it's definitely goal dependent. All right. So your, uh, your website is uh, bodystrut.com. Tell people a little bit about the website and maybe where, where they should start when they get there. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I have my bodystrut.com, which is my site. And then, um, it's also the same on Facebook and I do more Q and a stuff on the Facebook page. Okay. Um, but that kind of just started as just kind of, you know, a log of my training of, people were asking me questions and I, I put up articles every, um, so often and, um, videos as well. So, um, yeah, you know, if you just go to my page, I also do, um, mom strong, um, online group challenges where it's just for women only. Um, it's not specific to powerlifting. It's got powerlifting elements, but it's a, a, with bodybuilding stuff. So it's for strength and aesthetics as well. So I do, I run a group, um, about every six weeks, a new group and it's, uh, just for women it's online. It's through a Facebook group page. So, so that's all on your website. They can find out about that. Correct. Okay. Any other last things you want to mention before I ask my final question? Yeah. You know, um, if you decided to, to work out, it's like I tell everyone, you have to commit to it. And then you execute the plan and then that's how you change. And just being consistent. Consistency is the key. Consistency is key. I am 39 years old. I've been lifting since I was 17. Um, even through two pregnancies, lifted all the way through both of them. So, you know, there really just is no excuse. So would, would that be that? So my final question is, what's, <laughs> <laughs> what's the one big thing that people can take away? So I guess that's it is consistency. Is consistency. Key consistency. And, um, you know, again, it's not going to take three, four hours out of your day, you know, commit to 45 minutes, three times a week and start there and then make that a habit and be consistent. I'm curious, is there any, any kind of tactical strategy to, to develop consistency? So someone that's struggling, really struggling with consistency, whether it's with their training or, or nutrition or whatever, what, what could they do to maybe improve that? Start small. I think biggest yeah. people, biggest mistake people make is they overwhelm themselves. Like I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it five days a week, this many times. Yeah. I always tell everyone, pick one day, be consistent with that one day for at yeah. least three weeks and then add another day. Be consistent with that day for at least two to three weeks and add another day. That's fantastic. Love it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Marissa, this has been great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much. No, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, guys, that is a wrap for episode number 153. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Marisa, and uh, thank you for listening this week. I do apologize for the audio, as I mentioned, had a couple of uh, challenges with a couple of recent interviews, but I think it turned out okay. So again, I do apologize for that. So I will see you in just a couple of days. This is the last episode for 2015. I'll be back on the first day of 2016 and share a really cool episode with you. Uh, Probably be a pretty short episode, but uh, really impactful. So stay tuned for that. So that is a wrap. I'll see you next time and uh, talk again soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Ardella Training Podcast. Go to ardellatraining.com right now to join Scott's tribe of passionate fitness enthusiasts. Get valuable updates and resources that will help you take it to the next level. Train strong. We'll catch you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast.